Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 273. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing all right. All right, good to hear. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Martin McDonough's Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Also be going over some of what we're watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I feel like uh, there's been like a lot of news stuff coming out since we were last on here. Scandal after scandal. There's a, a lot going on. I mean, more positive news. The Sundance lineup came out. Pretty excited about that. Uh, I'll be uh, Film Pulse will be at Film uh, at Film Pulse. This year. Film Pulse will be at Film Pulse this year. Nice repping Sundance. The uh, Independent Spirit Awards announced their nominees. What'd you think of that? They're all right. I think they're pretty solid this year. I kind of already forget them. Yeah, honest. I was actually <laughs> I was I was trying to like stall for time a little bit while I pulled it up. Uh, Call Me By Your Name is the the standout. That's the one that got the most nominations with six, including best okay. best feature, best director, best cinematography, best editing, best male lead, and best supporting male. Get Out got nominated for five, including best feature, best screenplay, best director, best editing, best male lead. Best features uh, also include The Florida Project, Lady Bird and the writer. Okay. Right. I never even heard of the writer. I don't think. I think I like. I've heard of it, like once, and it's just like, oh, okay, and then completely forgot about it. I'm gonna see if I recognize the. After a riding accident leaves him unable to comp- compete. On the rodeo circuit, a young cowboy searches for new purpose. Hmm. No, I I have not heard of this movie. Well, it says it's not coming out till April thirteenth, twenty eighteen. Okay. <laughs> I'll try and remember that. Yeah, I mean, looking at the looking at it on IMDb, it doesn't even look like it had any kind of release at all. How, how is this eligible? Uh, who knows. Probably played like one theater in New York for a week. I guess. I mean, it played the New York Film Festival. It played a number of film festivals, but that shouldn't make it eligible for awards. At any rate, let's talk about a movie that is playing in theaters right now that you can see and you don't have to wait till April 2018. <laughs> Correct. We're talking about three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. This is written and directed by Martin McDonough. I have a synopsis here. A mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder when they fail to catch the culprit. This stars Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, Caleb Landry Jones. Uh, who am I forgetting? Abby Cornish is in there. Lucas uh, Hedges. Zelchko. Ivanic, uh, John Hawks. Oh yeah, John Hawks. Peter Peter uh, Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Yep. Veritable who's who. All the, sorts of people. Yeah. So I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago 
on the podcast. So, Kevin, we'll start this one with you. What did you think of Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri? <laughs> oh, man. I was so hyped for this movie. This was maybe like at least like top five most anticipated of this year. I was so pissed that you got to see it. Like, I thought it was coming out November 10th. So that's what I read everywhere. And it didn't. And I was so bummed. And then to get to see it this weekend. And, oh, it's a huge letdown. Huge letdown. Huge letdown. I did not really like this movie at all. That's a shame. Yeah. I think, like, I mean, obviously, Francis McDormand is fantastic in it. So you at least got that. You know, it's not a complete, you know, waste of time. Because she is, she's incredible in this movie. But there's just a lot of stuff that just didn't work for me, unfortunately. And I think the, the first misstep for me was the uh, the deer scene. The scene with the deer. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's when, that's when it lost me. At first, that was the first sign. Well, the, the deer, the deer scene was pretty far in, wasn't it? The when, when she when she, when she was, talks to the deer, it was it was a little bit in there, but and then like after that, there was just it was one thing after another. Oh, okay, it just didn't work. But, but man, that deer scene was just. I was like, are you are you serious right now? This is happening. We'll get- I just I it just it blows my mind because it looks so bad. And I'm just like, how was that in a final product? I didn't mind the deer scene. I thought it was, I, I think maybe if the dialogue was different, maybe I would have had a bigger problem with it. But I liked her reaction and what she said. And it, it kind of, it's kind of a pivotal moment in the movie, really. Yeah, it just didn't work for me at all. Plus, it looks like shit. It did not look great. Uh, I'll admit that. <laughs> but it's, that's what I'm saying. You know, you're talking about a movie with all these big stars, big budget, and everything. And you're like, damn, like you can't even, you can't even get a deer to stand in the field without it looking like shit. Like, yeah, like what, what, what happened to like people just putting putting deer in a scene and just having, you know what I mean? It's like. Like are a, there no deer handlers anymore? Yeah, like I'm reminded of like Stand by Me, like that's that scene, that, that big scene in Stand by Me when he sees the deer, and like that was just a straight up deer. Like you, it's not like it's a tiger, you know? Yeah, it's, it's not like you, you have to worry that much about safety. There's got to be deer farms in just, Missouri. You just somewhere. put that deer in there and you just give it some food and stick it in there, yeah, and there you go. Put all sorts of food on the ground. You know, I mean, just, and all you need is like, you don't even need Frances because she wasn't even in the scene with the deer. Right. You yeah. Can just have, you can just get like half a minute's worth of shot of this deer standing in that area and then just cut back and forth between it. Yeah. Yeah. It just boggles me. And then I didn't like the, I'm sure you can guess the whole uh, Woody Harrelson letter reading voiceover <laughs> nonsense get the fuck out of here um yeah but we had, we had to know what was said in the letter though i mean i know but it's just again the way that it was done just it did not seem like it was done by you know a professional filmmaker i just i, I had a hard time like you know, these guys are professionals 
All right. Didn't seem like it. The John Hawks, his inclusion seemed like it was kind of two part where, yeah, you had his involvement with it being the father and everything, but it seemed like more of an excuse to like do this whole, like make fun of how stupid his 19 year old girlfriend is, which is so like such a tired, tired thing. Well, it just, that didn't work for me at all. And they just kept doing it. Every time she would, he would show up, it was like, it would do a little bit of him where it was like, okay, there's like this drama here. And then the other 50, 60% of it was, look how dumb his girlfriend is. Well, they didn't really, I felt like they didn't really go too far into that whole relationship, but. Uh, th- again, that that's not something that that bothered me too much. It does have my favorite uh, line. It does contain my favorite line out of all the movies this year, which is Peter Dinklage looking at the menu saying, "I like cheesy things. I'm going to look for cheesy things." <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, for, oh, for this one really worked for me. It's funny, like when I first came out of the theater, uh, I was like, yeah, that was really good. I, I really enjoyed that. But as it sat with me, I sort of liked it more and more. It, it sort of grew on me in in new and interesting ways as, as I sort of thought about this movie as I was removed from it. Um, I, I just thought it was such an interesting character study. I, I thought that every character had this complexity that i just wanted i wanted more out of all of these characters because they were just all of them were so interesting and it's funny like the movie felt really long to me it's not a long movie it's less than two hours but at least for me when i was seeing it it felt like this is a long ass movie yeah oh yeah i felt it there's a lot of stuff that could be taken out because to me, there was also a lot of these individual scenes that just felt out of place or just kind of unnecessary. Um, the dentist visit to me, just like out of nowhere, she's at the dentist. And, like, and I know that that's just essentially for so they can do, you know, some of the comedy later on when Woody Harrelson goes to question her about it. Well, but it all, but it also goes to further sort of extrapolate on how this is affecting the town and how everybody is pissed off at her. Even, even the dentist wants to treat her like shit. Yeah. But I agree. I agree that I think that it could have been a little tighter. I think that they could have tightened up, um, certain, certain scenes. I didn't find this movie to be flawless or anything like that. I, yeah. I enjoyed it, but it certainly had some missteps along the way. There's also the deer scene. I don't think you need the deer scene in there. The Dixon and Red in the hospital. That just seemed... That was just a bit ridiculous. Well, well. Th- that was another culminating moment, I thought. That was that was when... That was when Sam Rockwell sort of... He had a character change. That's That's when he... That was the final thing. I think that the letter was the the thing that started him down the path of of changing 
his attitude, but then that just that small moment of kindness that he totally didn't deserve. That was enough to set him on a different path. So I, I liked I that scene I too. Know. I don't know. Cause just the, the, the whole writing of that and the execution of it is just, again, it does not come off as professionals. Well, I disagree with that. I thought it was, I thought it was a tender moment and I really enjoyed it. Oh, give me a break. This is, this is a tender moment, Kevin. Can't you can't enjoy tender moments in movies? Come on, I can. He was when giving him his OJ. Right. When they're done right, you you expect me this complete? We spent how much of the beginning of this movie talking about how much of a piece of shit this guy is, racist piece of shit that tortured someone in custody, and now I'm supposed to just be like, oh, he said sorry to that guy for throwing him out the window. Oh no, he's I, I, I don't. Get the fuck out of here. I don't. I don't think. I don't think we he deserved any kind of forgiveness. I think that, but I think well, that people are capable of change, and I think that that's yeah, what it but reflected. The, the other thing that pisses me off is to how we're doing this change within Dixon, played by Sam Rockwell, is you have a scene later on when he's at the bar, you know, everything that happens there. Why do you have to have, like, there's no really reason to have the black couple be there and like watch him get the shit kicked out of him and like try and step in while we're like trying to redeem this guy. Like what the fuck? There's no need for that. I don't even remember that. They're just, I I remember, I remember the scene, but I I only vaguely remember a black couple being there. And then they like, he gets up and he's like, Hey, stop it. It's like, Oh, Sam Rockwell's. Yeah. He's redeeming himself. Just so much. You know, you see, you get into, like, when I first came out of it, I was like, eh, that's kind of a letdown. I didn't really like that too much. And then, like, as the days, you know, as, yeah, days, as time kind of goes by, I'm like, "Ah, man, there's not a whole lot that I liked about that. And then now getting into it, I'm realizing there's even less that I like about it. The the anger and the hatred is building up. It's bubbling up inside of you. But I mean, Frances Victor. Uh, I mean, she is incredible. I thought performances <laughs> across the board were great. I thought Woody Harrelson was fantastic. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell was good. Yeah. Caleb Andrew Jones. He, he he always kills it. Playing playing the same character he always does, but. It works. I thought that was definitely the strongest element were the were the performances. I mean, I think that everything in the in the whole movie hinged upon Frances McDormand and her oh, yeah. and her performance. I like I, I don't know I don't know what they would have done if she wasn't able to do this movie or didn't want to do it. Like it probably wouldn't have worked at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's for me at least, that's the only it's the only way in which this is watchable for me is because of her. Now you had to have liked the scene when she punched the kids in the crotch. Well, yeah, I mean, there's are, there are scenes that I enjoyed. I mean, this isn't just an outright, I hate everything about this movie. There's things here and there that I enjoyed. I enjoyed that. Uh, 
I enjoyed much of the beginning. Uh, I should say the first thing that got me, I guess, is not the deer scene. It's when Woody Harrelson's like, well, I don't know if that's a, that might be a spoiler. Mm. When, he's, when he when he meets with Mildred and they're on the swings. Yeah. And then he tries to throw in something there to like, to get some sympathy from her. Like, I, again, that just came off as really poorly executed. Because uh, I was like, oh, he's joking. And then it was like it's like a serious plot point, and it's like, oh, okay. I thought another particularly powerful scene was the uh, the the blood the the blood scene. I don't know if I uh, yeah yeah with Woody okay. Harrelson yeah. and uh, I'm trying to I don't want to spoil too much, but thought that was a particularly powerful scene as well. Because again, it was like. Even though these two were at odds with each other, she immediately came to his aid, you know? And, yeah. and the movie's full of these kind of just small moments of kindness, even though these are people that are in constant uh, conflict with one another. What about the, the score? A lot of people were talking about oh, the, yeah. uh, the score. I hated the score. I was not I, I was not a big fan of that either, to tell you the truth. There's a lot of like music cues that are just like, oh, are you serious? Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't real big on it. Although a lot of just, a lot of people seem to really love the score. It's just like every scene there would be like a new song, new music cue. You're just like, oh god, another one. Like, can't we just have like a little bit of silence? Uh, just a little bit. I, I I just remembered one thing I didn't really like. Um, there's a there's one flashback that occurs, and <laughs> I felt like it, yeah. it it felt a little tacked on, and I probably could have done without that. Yeah, it felt a bit too much, especially with what they say to each other. It just didn't seem necessary to to yeah, have that, that flashback. Like, like I understand that they're that they're that they're trying to show us or give us more reasons why she is so hellbent, but it's like, we don't need that. She's a mother whose daughter was murdered. Like that should be reason enough for her to go on this, on this, you know, quest to find her daughter's killer. Like, I don't think we need that extra element in there to show like that she has this guilt. Like, I, I just don't yeah. feel yeah, like it's, it's necessary. I hear you on that one, too. See, we can find common ground. Well, sure. Like I said, I, I just didn't, I didn't think it was a perfect movie. It definitely had, I definitely had problems with it. But overall, I think I, I, I still thought it was pretty great. I also, the, the whole, her, uh, her friend Denise that runs the store that she works at. Like everything there was just <laughs> where they, you know, she gets arrested and she's like hell bent on like, I'm getting her out. This is bullshit. And she storms in, you know. Yeah. There, has that, that altercation. And then it's just like done. You, you don't hear about it ever again. And then all of a sudden, Denise just shows up out of nowhere, knows that everybody's at the billboards, just drives up to the billboards and like pops out and like, I just got out of jail today. Let's put up these billboards. It's just like what? There's that. That actually also reminds me of one other 
one other scene that I wasn't a big fan of, and that's there's one scene that occurs in the store where she works, and it's pretty much yes. just a red herring. And I thought that it was so odd to include that. Well, there's so much to that. that like, like what, like what me. the guy says and what he does. It's like what? Because like they find you find out like that guy. And I'm trying to be as vague as possible, but you find out that guy's like not, he doesn't even live in that town. And that's the other thing that I don't get is he's from, he lives in Idaho. Yes. Why, why is he in Ebbing, Missouri so often? And why does he care about what's happening in this town? It's like, it just, that whole thing seems so weird to me. Like, like maybe they, just did that to introduce that character and to show us that he was a scumbag so that when Sam Rockwell had his altercation with him, it would have more meaning and more depth. But but again, after, just, after you find out what happens, you're just like, huh? <laughs> like what? Well, that's the thing. That's just, that's poor. That's piss poor writing and execution. Like, cause he's essentially just like you said, he's a red herring. He's this like false hope, and then it's just dropped, and you're like, "What the f- what? Like, it, it just doesn't fit. It does not fit naturally in the story. It just feels forced." Yeah that that scene was just it was it was very perplexing to me. But great, now I'm like, <laughs> now I'm cooling off on this movie. Yes. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and give it a score, Kevin. What are you gonna give it? I'd give it like a like a four and a half, five. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an eight. Okay, you already dropped down. Yeah. Well, I was at, it was like an eight and a half before, but now okay. now I'm dropping it down to an eight. I can't I can't in good conscience go lower than that. I already scored it. I can drop it half. That's about it's been it. Locked in. Been locked in on letterbox. Yeah. Nothing you can do. So that's three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I, I would suspect that that movie is going to be in a lot of conversations this month, especially with uh, all the awards that it will sure surely be nominated for. Oh yeah. Let's talk about someone we're watching on the watch list. Uh, I'm going to truncate mine down a little bit because I've watched a good bit of stuff since we. Uh, we're last on. We had the week off last week for the uh, holiday. So let me see. Where, where do I want to start? I guess I'll start with the, with some of the big guns. I saw the post. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this is the new Spielberg. I didn't have any expectations for this going into it. I'm on the record not really being a big fan of Spielberg's uh, recent stuff. And I know you... You aren't either, but, uh, you know, you, you have Streep, you have Hanks. So at the very least, I was thinking we'll see some really good performances out of this. And you do big surprise. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Meryl Streep won another Oscar for her performance in this movie. Cause she's fantastic. If you're not familiar, the, the film is about the Pentagon papers and the Washington post and, Basically, the 
decision of whether or not to publish these papers and what was in the papers. Fantastic cast in this movie. Holy shit. Bob Odenkirk, who delivers an award-worthy performance. He was incredible in this. David Cross is in there, too. So you have a little bit of a Mr. Show reunion. Okay. David, right. David Cross has this ridiculous comb over, and it's amazing. All right. Bruce Greenwood's in there. Zach Woods. Uh, Michael Stuhlbarge. Pat Healy. Uh, tons of people. Huge cast. Bradley Whitford. Sarah Paulson. Carrie Coon. Allison Brie. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, pretty much everybody in this is is a heavy hitter. And okay. uh, I actually like this quite a bit. I, I was really surprised. Um, I like movies about journalism and the news. So I was already slightly interested in the, in the, the plot. But one thing that really surprised me was that it looked great. Like cinematography wise, like there's, there's a few shots in this where you're just like, holy shit. Like that was pretty damn good. That was one of the biggest surprises for me. Okay. At any rate, I would definitely recommend checking out the post. We will have a full review for this up. It's under embargo um, until I think Wednesday. So we'll have a, a written review up then. Uh, and, it, and this will be in theaters December 22nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw Mudbound. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I do plan on watching this, but I haven't got around to it yet. Caught that on the Netflix. There, um, it's 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 okay. It's fine enough. It's a decent film. There's the, again, there's a lot of stuff in it that doesn't really work for me. Um, but one thing that does is great performances from Garrett Hedlund and Jason Mitchell, who are like their 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 friendship is kind of like the heart of the story but at the same time it doesn't happen until like well into it for obvious reasons but i think once it starts to focus more on them those two the film really works it's just unfortunate that it takes so much time to get to that point uh because everything that's before it it's it's okay to me it's just a bit mediocre um and again, this is one of those movies where I like when, while watching it and after watching it, my my response to it was pretty damn positive. And then just, you know, with time, with time, I just kind of like, OK, it was all right. Mm. OK, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything special, you know, that type of thing. But again, performances wise, definitely worth seeing. Okay, that's Mudbound. I do plan on checking that out before the end of the year, just in just in case. I, I, yeah, I don't anticipate it cracking my top ten, but definitely top twenty five potential. All right. I saw The Shape of Water. This is the Guillermo del Toro one. Uh, so this is another one getting a lot of buzz, getting a lot of awards buzz. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed in this one. Uh, it is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, that's worth seeing it alone. 
It is so amazing looking. This is a beautiful film. Uh, every every shot is just incredible. The production design, the costuming, the uh, the effects work, like the the makeup work on the creature, is just out, outstanding. Just l- looks awesome. Uh, and he uses the same guy that he used for Crimson Peak. We know that looked that was a pretty amazing looking movie as well. Uh, so this yeah. is sort of going back to the Pan's Labyrinth, Guillermo del Toro, where he has crafted this sort of dark fairy tale about this mute woman played by Sally Hawkins, uh, who falls in love with this sea creature. Okay. Played by Doug Jones. Sally Hawkins, incredible. Again, she probably deserves she deserves any award that she's given for this because she's outstanding. Octavia Spencer is in a supporting role and she's awesome as well. Same with Richard Jenkins. Michael Stuhlbarge in this one as well. Plays oh, man, he's everywhere. Yeah, he plays a scientist in the lab that they work at. And then you have Michael Shannon as the villain. And it just it's just it's pure Michael Shannon. He reminds me a lot of his character in Boardwalk Empire. And he's just, he's so dastardly in the, in this movie. <laughs> he, he is definitely a son of a bitch in this movie. And at, at one point, I don't want to give anything away, but at one point he gets injured and that injury stays with him throughout the whole, the rest of the movie. And where it goes is gross, but also kind of funny. <laughs> uh, but the, the thing that didn't really work for me was just the love story itself. You know, this is, this is a love story. And I felt like that was the most underdeveloped aspect of the film. It, I was just, I wasn't buying it. I was just like, okay, I'm not, I'm just not buying this. Like, I, I know a lot of people are probably going to be joking about, what happens in this movie. Cause she, she does. I mean, you do see a pretty serious love scene happening with, with the two of them. And I'm sure there's going to be jokes about it, but I felt like it just wasn't earned. Like their relationship moved forward so fast. It's like, I'm just not, I don't really feel anything for this. I, I just was, it wasn't there for me. It really didn't resonate with me, <laughs> but it's still, worth a look if for no other reason the visuals because holy shit i have a full review for this up on the site by the way this is playing in limited release right now yeah that one seems like uh just a bridge too far for me i mean you'll you'll yeah you'll you'll appreciate it for the visuals though because it's probably the best looking movie of the year well, and the production design on his movies are just, I mean, you essentially watch them for that. You know, you're at least going to get that. Yeah. It's got this kind of old <laughs> Hollywood vibe. It, it takes place in, I think, uh, the early 60s, I want to say. But uh, it, it just, everything feels like an old Hollywood film. And I, I thought that they handled it. A lot better than like La La Land or something. 
Uh, I watched a, a short film called Edge of Alchemy. This is by Stacy Steers, about uh, around 19 minute short. Um, this is the first Stacy Steers movie I've seen, and holy shit, this is my jam. This is all sorts of my jam. Uh, it is number one. It's it's incredibly disturbing and unnerving to me. It's got this incredible creepy score. It's a it's a silent short. It's just got this score to it that just creeps you out. Um, it is she made this with over six thousand collages. All right. So she has cutouts of Mary Pickford and Janet Gaynor from movies, right? And then she kind of animates them with all these other cutouts and stuff. And Mary Pickford plays this like Dr. Frankenstein type character who she resurrects Janet Gaynor. <clears throat> and when she comes back, she has like a honeycomb on top of her head. And she has like these, these, uh, these plant leaves like grown out of her clavicles. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she just has, she has all these bees just on her person, just like wandering around her body and everything. And it is just, it's surreal. And I mean, right off the bat, it's just impressive because of the amount of work that went into it and everything, you know, the animation, 6,000 collages and what she's able to do here. But not only that, but it's just really disturbing too. Hmm. Okay. I can't recommend highly enough if you're able to see it. And I want to see her other stuff. I know her other stuff is on Fandor. So hopefully I can check out the other things. How uh, is it available? Can people see this? This, this one like, is not available yet. But well, maybe it is on Fandor. I don't know. I got rid of Fandor. So I don't know anymore. <laughs> I did too. It's okay. <laughs> I just had to, I had to switch it up. I, I saw the disaster artist. Okay. Directed by Mr. James Franco. I just don't understand why this exists. It's weird, isn't it? Uh, that, that was kind of what I thought going into it. Like, how is this a thing? Why is, this, why is it a thing? Why is this a thing? But let me tell you, this is my favorite comedy of the year hands down uh it's absolutely hilarious performances i mean like franco is tommy Wiseau in this movie he he nails he nails that persona incredibly it's it's awesome uh the movie itself uh surprisingly well done i think that this is uh franco's best movie Definitely. Okay. Uh, as far as his what he his uh, directorial efforts, and uh, that's the, I don't really have that much to say about it. I mean, if you want to see a comedic um, interpretation of how the the room got made, I would recommend checking it out. But it's also an, it's an interesting story, but it's also kind of it kind of lovingly pokes fun at. The, the making of the room. Okay. If you've seen the room, I think, I think it's worth it to see this movie just to see sort of the behind the scenes stuff and how just, you know, the movie itself is ridiculous. The room is ridiculous, but how it got made is 
maybe even more ridiculous. And it's, they do, a lot of it is shot for shot. So they, so they redo key scenes in the room and they're shot for shot and they look incredible. Like they get the same, like the sets look the same. They get the same clothes for the actors. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, there's a <laughs> there's also a lot of cameos in this too. Like um, Seth Rogen is obviously in there. Allison Brie, Josh Hutcherson, he plays Denny. Remember the like if you remember the Denny character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh hi Denny. <laughs> Josh Hutcherson it's, plays uh... Denny. Jackie Weaver <laughs> plays the mom. The Yep, I got that. It's definitely breast cancer, <laughs> like that. That lady. Oh God! Zach Efron's in it. He plays the one bully guy that that uh, the guy that bullies Denny. Nathan Fielder's in it. Okay. Hannibal Barris, Sharon Stone, Melanie Griffith, Paul Shear, Jason Mansukas. I'm waiting for you to say Michael Stuhlbarch. <laughs> not that i'm aware of but he could okay. be in there somewhere gotcha he definitely could be in there somewhere yeah i i don't i know that this isn't a movie that that you you would be interested in but i think that you would find it quite humorous i, I it, it's really funny okay i'm gonna have to check that one out we'll see that's all i got i'm done okay uh we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and close it out there then let's talk about some new releases in theaters this week we have i tanya you excited for this one heard a lot about this i'm excited still i'm still not again it's one of those why why not why why not this this was it's too fucking this was such a huge story I mean, this is like yeah, like thirty years ago, right? But I think that there's already been like how many movies about this? Well, there was like that one documentary that I think was a thirty for thirty that came out. Yeah, it's enough already. I think this looks it looks very twisted and dark, and I'm into it. I want to see Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding. That's I think that's. A really interesting and great casting choice. I'm into that. Uh, so we also have November Criminals. The poster looks almost <laughs> the exact same as Baby Driver. Yes, it does. Uh, and it's starring Ansel Elgort. Sure does. Yep. How about that? Uh, this does not look very good to me. We have Quest. That's a documentary. We have the White King. We got Kaleidoscope. This is a uh, psychological thriller with um, with Toby Jones. Okay, it's a cool poster. Yeah, it is a cool poster. I'm I'm into this one. We have the Pirates of Somalia. We have the Rape of Reese Taylor. That's I think that's a Netflix. I think, I, You're right. I think that might be a Netflix. Uh, let's see. Bullethead. Bullethead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hollow, hollow in the Land. 
D Love, Arthur Miller, writer. And that's pretty much it for theaters. I guess there's some comedy called Just Getting Started with Tommy Lee Jones and Morgan Freeman. Oh, God. I saw the, the, the trailer for that played for three billboards. Oh, boy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I saw a trailer for that, too. It looks so bad. It looks just as bad as uh, the other trailer. So it was downsizing. Mm-hmm. God, that looks awful. I'll check it out. I'll check. I'll check out some downsizing. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see what we have on VOD this week. F the prom. This is a uh, teen comedy from. Uh, you know who directed this? It was the uh, the guys that did. If you've ever seen those, uh, the React videos, like. Kids react to 80s video games or whatever. Uh-uh. You've never seen any of those? Like grandparents no. grandparents react to Mortal Kombat or whatever. It's those guys. The Fine wow. Brothers. Wow. This okay. is uh this is their movie. Looks it looks really bad. We got Princess Sid. I'd recommend that. There you go. Yeah. We have Fits and Starts. It's uh, Wyatt Cenac. Okay. We got The Gatehouse. I think it's a horror movie. Sounds like a horror movie. It does. It does sound like a horror movie. Fast Convoy. (laughs) (laughs) That is... That might be my favorite title. Fast Convoy. I just love the idea... Like, to be so specific... As to what type of convoy. A go-fast convoy. This is the synopsis. A go-fast <laughs> convoy shipping a ton of cannabis. Malaga in southern Spain is disruptive following the shootout that results in the kidnapping of a tourist. All right. Go fast. Go-fast convoy. Why isn't it called go-fast convoy? I have no idea. Unbelievable. Let's see what else we have here. We have Apocalypse Road. It's like a uh, like a Mad Max style thing. I'm sure it's probably just as good. And then on Friday we have Kaleidoscope. So I'll be checking out Kaleidoscope. I'm interested in that. Let's see what we have on Blu-ray. This will be for today, December fifth, assuming that. I can get this out by Tuesday. We got Silent Night, Deadly Night. This is the collector's edition of the 1984 Christmas horror classic. Scream Factory is putting that out. I'm interested in that. Looks like they're re-releasing Jumanji. Most likely in anticipation of the new one coming out. Transformers Age of Extinction. Hell yeah. Better watch out. That's the new Christmas horror movie that's pretty got some pretty interesting twists in it. Uh American Assassin. Get out. I would obviously recommend Get Out. Wow, Get Out's just now coming out. 
I may, I don't know. That's what it's listed here. So maybe it's another edition. I don't I don't know. Jeez. I think it might it might be just coming out now. I think it had a really long run in theaters. Yeah, but it seems like that. But it came out at like the beginning of the year. Did it? Yeah, the, I think it was like in February that came out. Huh. I don't know. Uh, Gook, I'd recommend that one. <laughs> Maybe not to buy, but at least nah, at least nah. see it. Uh, and that's pretty much it. What do we have on the Criterion front this week? Uh, we have what might be like the biggest Criterion. Yeah, I think this might be just like the sh- straight up the biggest box set ever made. Except what was that one? Uh, the Janus Films one. Wasn't that like 50, 50 movies? That box set that they put out like years ago? I don't know. This one's 53 though. Yeah, this is 53 movies. A 32 disc set. 32 disc set. 100 years of Olympic films. 1912 to 2012. 53 movies. 6,253 so just... minutes. <laughs> oh my god. So those 53 movies, let me just go through them real quick and name them off here. No. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. Pretty much every sure? every Olympic movie you can think of is going to be in this thing. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I honestly so didn't know that there were that many movies that centered around the Olympics. I didn't even. And it's also as they went ahead for some of the you know the early ones, the earliest, the the silent ones. They have new scores for them. Yeah, I saw that. That's really cool. That they they yeah, that's interesting. They added new music, re-recorded it. That's cool. I would never watch any of these. No, no, <laughs> never. I mean, the so. box set looks awesome. It comes with this like coffee table book thing it's like 250 plus pages and it's it's a really great looking set but and i like how it's organized too like it's a big box set but it's not it's not overwhelmingly huge the the way that they organize it is is cool it's it's great design great design work there just unfortunately for like a for a subject matter that I just have absolutely no interest in whatsoever. Yeah, same here. I mean, I, I watch, I usually try to watch as much of the Olympics as I can when the Summer Olympics are on. But, but I, yeah. could, I could never imagine, because I like watching the Olympics too, but I could never imagine watching Olympics that already have happened. <laughs> yeah, they like, kind of, yeah. No point right. whatsoever. Yeah, it kind of takes the excitement out of it. Yeah, I would. I, I mean, I maybe it'd be fun to watch some of the. What was the year? It was like thirty eight, or the, the year that it was in Germany, when when that yeah thirty yeah thirty six thirty six yeah when that when that occurred maybe maybe watching some of that I would be interested in because I haven't seen too yeah. too much of that, but yeah, I mean, I would. If you could clip all of them together into like a, an hour and forty-five minute runtime, and I could just see from like nineteen twelve to twenty twelve, just to like see the progression of it, I'll do that. Right. Yeah. But I'm not gonna watch fifty-three. <laughs> like if they made like one documentary, like one yep. two-hour documentary out of it, that'd be cool. 
I'm at 6,253 minutes. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's some serious uh, Olympic love there. I got shit to do, man. Uh, all right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.